This is the Technology and Sports Podcast. I'm Jim Vance. This is episode three of the Technology and Sports Podcast. I'm Jim Vance, your host. Just want to start with a little review of the last guest, uh, Robert Dick, the CEO of Stride. Uh, interesting product. Uh, as I mentioned, they came out with uh, a new product, not just their, their chest sensor uh, positioned uh, sensor, their chest position sensor there on the heart rate strap, but now they have a foot pod as well. Uh, some interesting things that have come from that, and uh, I know that they had a few Olympians use it in triathlon at the, in, with the foot pod, including Ben Canute, an athlete I've worked with uh, for a number of years uh, in triathlon. So I may see if he'll even allow me to sh- share some, uh, some of the data from that uh, publicly. Uh, I will let you know, all the listeners, so you can kind of see some of the cool things they're doing with uh, this foot pod, including trying to be able to measure the actual, um, the just the elasticity or the springiness is a be- probably a better way to understand it of of the of the calf and the ankle joint. So uh, some cool stuff going on there. Um, I'll keep you updated. I had mentioned in that that they that they were giving away a copy of my book. Uh, that is only with the older model. Um, the older model is uh, is the chest-based sensor. The new foot pod sensor, they, they don't have that offer for. But you can pick up uh, an electronic uh, copy, an ebook of, of Run With Power via Amazon or even at VeloPress if you'd like. Uh, they are they are relatively inexpensive. I want to say for $10, so uh, U.S., for those in the U.S., with that said, uh, I thought it was a great interview. Uh, Robert's obviously got a lot of cool stuff going on there with Stride. I will be in Kona next week, uh, probably going to interview a few few different individuals and companies is my hope. Uh, Kona is always a great place. Uh, I collect some data on, on the race. Being there for the Ironman World Championships is, uh, is always a fun time. It's kind of the Super Bowl of the sport. If you've never been there, I would encourage you to go, especially if you are interested in endurance sports at all. You will go and see a spectacle of racing, and you'll really understand how freaking tough that race is. And uh, this has nothing to do with technology, but I'm just going to tell you, that race sucks, man. As a competitor, everybody's dying to go there. But let me tell you, it is lonely. It is hot. There is nowhere to hide. The winds suck. (laughs) <laughs> you always think that you're when you're on the Queen K that the race is just about done. Oh, the finish is just over here. Oh, I turned into town just up the road here. And then you realize, nope, that's not the case at all. You still have a long way to go. So it is a wonderful race to watch as a spectator. It is mentally very challenging as a competitor. And uh, every everybody who's in that race is high quality. So it is a world championships and... And it is tough to, uh, to to compete at that level, so it only makes it more challenging because everybody's taking a lot of risk, and most people end up paying for that. So, anyway, that's also what makes the race so exciting. So, I will be happy to be going again. I, geez, I can't. I don't even know how many times I've been going. I want to say since 2008. I think I've only missed the race once. So, 
exciting times. Um, this past week, I was at Interbike in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay. Uh, went to speak for slowtwitch.com. Uh, they have uh, a power course, uh, teaching coaches about power. I spoke about a lot of the things in my book, Triathlon 2.0, and how we use power data and to, to coach athletes to understand the demands they're under in certain types of races within triathlon. I was mostly speaking to triathlon coaches. So it was, it was great, and uh, I want to thank Ian Murray and Dan Enfield for having me be a part of that to come out. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. I, I was able to actually walk around Interbike and, and look at some new technology that's, that's in the sport of cycling, and uh, it was kind of cool. Um, just, just to give you an idea of some of the things I came across, which, which were interesting, uh, one of the things you wouldn't even really expect, uh, but they were there, and I, and I really did like it. They actually gave me a, a sample to take, uh, is a company called Aftershocks, and they make these bone conduction headphones. Now, bone conduction headphones, you may have heard, they, they use them in swimming. And what it does, instead of plugging into your ear, it, it kind of presses against almost like your temple or your jaw, upper jawbone there uh, near your ear. And the basically the, the vibration uh, the, from the sound waves, uh, you can actually still hear it with your eardrum. So it's pretty interesting technology. Uh, but it, it's not anything super new, but what they've done is they've taken that and they've applied it to cycling, in my opinion. I, here's where I see it in the cycling world. Here in California, they just passed a law that you cannot have your ears plugged with headphones when you ride. And I know for a lot of my friends and athletes that I coach, they like to listen to music when they ride. They like to maybe listen to ebooks or podcasts like this one. So, so to them, it's important to have that opportunity because that's time that they can effectively use, still get a workout and still, to still expand their minds and, and experiences. Well, when your ears are plugged, you're not able to do that uh, in California. You get a ticket. And, of course, you always put yourself at risk uh, safety-wise when you're on the roads and you can't hear what's around you. Well, with these headphones, these, this is called the Trax, uh, or I'm sorry, the Trex, T-R-E-K-Z titanium and it fits kind of over your ear and then has this kind of connection between they're not they're wireless but they're they're actually together so it's kind of like a headband so to speak that kind of goes behind your head um, and connects over the top of your ear so that it sits right there near that near the temple and the uh, and kind of that jawbone area by the eardrum so what this allows you to do is actually listen to your music or podcast or, or whatever file you're listening to and your ears are still open and you can still hear what's going on around you. Uh, it's almost like there's, it, it, it's almost like you're finally that person who can multitask. Because I know chances are a lot of us are multitaskers. <laughs> so it, this really does allow you to do that. You can hear things like cars around you. Uh, if you're a bike rider, uh, you could hear, you could still have conversations with other cyclists in your group. Um, hear things, hear, you know. Just safety, you know, communication to keep each other safe when you're on a group ride is important. So if you're a cyclist who's been out there and you're trying to, you know, you're, you're looking for an opportunity or something to use, uh, I found this pretty interesting. And my dad was with me and he used them all week and he was like, I'm definitely buying a pair. So um, I had him use them before I have. He just left today, so I will be uh, getting my chance. But the fact that he said he was going to buy a pair and he's not even a cyclist, I think that says a lot. So uh you might want to check them out. It was uh, something cool. So some of the other things 
technology-wise, and that I saw at Interbike, uh, smart helmets. Some really, some really cool things with smart helmets. Um, I'm not, you know, a, a lot of communication systems, microphones, uh, uh, you know, speakers. So I could actually potentially talk to my cyclist if they're riding on a course, like if I'm following in a car behind, and it actually goes through the helmet, which is which is pretty cool. Um, there's there's even potentially some of these connect to Wi-Fi, which is crazy. They have Bluetooth, um, you know, intercom distances of 900 meters. I mean, that's a long ways. This this one company that I saw here, um, Sena is the name, uh, S-E-N-A, and their smart cycling helmet I thought was pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna hopefully talk with them some more. Uh, me as a coach, when I, especially when I'm working with my juniors, if I could have all of them wearing these helmets, I could actually coach them better during practice. Uh, when I'm following behind in a vehicle, uh, in terms of when to start intervals or, or pause intervals or things they need to correct uh, with what they're doing. Uh, just little reminders and cues. I think that's important. Uh, I see time gaps uh, in triathlon especially uh, helping. Um, is this legal? I don't know. That's, uh, that's something I'm going to have to research and find out. Uh, it, certainly the ears are not covered, so it's it would seem to be legal, but... Uh, this is, this is kind of the funny thing. We're nearing a point here where technology is is coming in and, and our rules system maybe isn't isn't prepared for it. So uh, this is this is going to be an interesting thing for me to research and find out. Is, is this even legal? So uh, this one even comes with an HD camera in the front, which I know is, is kind of cool for a lot of, a lot of athletes because so many want to carry a camera or wish they had a, a camera mounted on their helmet so they could... Uh, they could possibly catch a cyclist or doing something wrong or rather a driver uh, sometimes. I just saw on the news today that famous cyclist George Hincapie had a, had a driver pull a gun on him and his eight-year-old son while they were out riding, so uh, he was pretty angry. So obviously it's good if you've got that on camera uh, of what's going on around you. So, But I saw a few companies with, uh, with smart helmets, lights included in things, um, it's it's certainly it's certainly something that I think will continue to grow. What 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 the role of the helmet is uh, in regards to uh, cycling. So obviously this is a cycling biased uh, podcast for this episode since I'm coming from Interbike in in Vegas, which is the biggest expo in the world for cycling or close to it, if not the biggest. Some of the other things I saw were sensors. I mean, new biosensors, and that's that's really now we're starting to get at the heart of kind of what this podcast is about. What technology can you really use? Sensors are seem to be the, the new big thing. Uh, what kind of sensors am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, hydration sensors, uh, blood lactate sensors that can really tell you. I mean, what can you do with that? I don't know. Uh, certainly you could say, okay, you're dehydrated, but it's gotta, it's gotta be able to tell you, Hey, this is, this is the proper hydration level. And do we really know what that is? Uh, that's, that's something that I think is individual. So these are certain things that you would have to learn if you're going to start using these products. But I certainly think if you find an optimal hydration range, then something like this could help, uh, maybe even help you see when, when you've, when you become more dehydrated than you expected, uh, just by walking around, maybe based on climates and things like that. Uh, blood lactate analyzers, there's a lot with that. Uh, certainly, I think the fact that where research is showing that lactate really isn't the enemy, uh, more a byproduct of just what we're actually doing, um, it's, 
it, it begs the question if, if knowing lactate levels is really important. But it is something interesting. So we've, we've obviously used that a lot in, in terms of testing for uh, lactate threshold levels. So perhaps it's, it's important. And this does it without actually breaking the skin. And that's the real interesting thing with the, the one biosensor. I know Slow Twitch did an did a, uh, article on some of this technology as well. Um, aerobar sensors. This, these are sensors that kind of go in the pads of your aerobar so you can actually see how much time you actually spend in the aerobars on a ride. And I think that's the, that to me becomes kind of critical for athletes when they, when they tell me, oh, well, my back was bothering me in this race and, oh, I thought I was really ready. And then you, you find out, well, you, of the so many odd hours I gave you of, of cycling, training you only spent 10 percent of them in the aero bars so obviously you weren't prepared for that that would be something that 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 would be an actual use for something like that a very simple simple measurement so i thought that was cool uh other than that there's there's certainly some some other sensors that that were a little different that are going to take even more more knowledge and use uh to to really apply them and those seem to deal with biomechanics really judging your biomechanics, a lot of them as a cyclist. Uh, these, I saw some sensors from some different companies. Pioneer was one. Uh, another one was called LetSense, uh, or is that the name of the company? Weva, I think Weva Academy. Um, but yeah, Weva, W-I-V-A. They have a sensor that you wear that will tell you how you're, how you're actually pedaling, your, your range of motion, everything, you, where you wear it on your body. It can actually tell you how you're doing. Um, Pioneer, I think, has some some multiple sensor points, so it can actually give you more of a full range from your feet to your. Uh, I couldn't even tell you all the all the sensors they had. Um, and it, Slow Twitch does a pretty good job uh, writing about the Pioneer sensors. But the the interesting thing here is athletes with this with this are going to be able to get a measurement of actually how efficient they are in their pedaling, uh, in their bike position. Do they bounce around? Uh, would if a, if you make a change in terms of like seat height or just any sort of position change, how does that really affect your your efficiency as a cyclist? So certainly we're all trying to in the cycling world or in the triathlon world maximize fit because when you do that, it it really it really can mean major performance gains. That's first and foremost. So this has the potential to become something very important, but you've got to understand how to use it. Uh, this one company, Weva, they've they're actually even looking to expand their their uh, sensor to include bio biomechanic measuring of swimming. I found that to be interesting. I don't know how you're going to take one sensor and do that, but they're talking about it, and I certainly will be all ears to listen to how they want to do that. So. Those were some of the sensors and, and some of the other cool technology that I saw that I think will, will have an effect perhaps on competition in the cycling and triathlon world, uh, even potentially now in the running world. You can see, I mean, a lot of these biomechanic sensors, I mean, that's what running power meters are. When you look at Stride, who was our guest last week, and RPM Squared, who's our guest this week, you can see, I mean, that's that's what they're doing. They're measuring the biomechanical efficiency of of the athlete in whatever movements they're trying to do. Uh, they're just expressing them in different ways. Uh, for for run power meters, they're expressing it with watts. 
So this is this is some this is some cool new stuff. Uh, certainly heading down a road where you, this is probably going to become more popular. And how effective is it? Well, that's I guess we're going to find out. Uh, I make no no claims that it's it's all super effective these these biomechanics sensors, but uh, uh, I think I think I'd be willing to give it a try. That's for sure. One of the other things I saw, which I kind of had to laugh about, was at at uh, at Interbike is the rise of the e-bike, the electronic bicycle. Uh, there are so many electronic bicycle companies now that it's it's pretty amazing to me. Electronic assisting, so which I laugh because it's not really about competitive sport like I want this podcast to be. But anybody who follows cycling knows that we are in the mechanical doping phase of cycling now where motors are being put into bikes so as this e-bike world takes off it seems logical that the the e-bike engines will get smaller and smaller and be more likely to assist assist riders perhaps illegally in major cycling so uh that will be an interesting an interesting uh tale to to follow and to see how how this this explosion in the e-bike market affects competitive cycling. So that's pretty much the tech for this week. Um, it was great to go to Interbike. Uh, this is my second year going there, and I, I continue to learn a lot and and see a lot of cool things. I may even uh, I've I've kind of I've got some I've got these contacts from some of these companies, and I hope to get them on the show potentially soon to discuss more of their products and and what they do and and what they hope to do in the future how they hope to affect sport and possibly competition so with that i will get on to this week's guest this week's guest is johnny ross of rpm squared rpm squared uh got a same it's really rpmm so rpm squared for short rpm rpm squared stands for remote performance measurement and monitoring I've known Johnny Ross, who is the CEO of the company, since I started working on Run With Power. He and his team at RPM Squared were able to help me uh, do a lot to to learn about power measurement. Theirs is very different than Stride. Theirs is is an insole. So it's, it's an insole that you put in your shoe, and it has sensors in it that measure how hard you press and how fast you press, obviously, because that's, that's what power is. So it's funny, I actually wrote a blog post back in, I want to say 2010, where I talked about how power meters in shoes, when those arrive, every world record will fall in track and field as we know it, from from long distance to sprints to jumps to throws, just because of what we'll be able to measure and know. And I really think that the cool part about this product is I think it has a lot of carry over into other sports because most of most of your sports use shoes um, in terms of your power sports like hockey football basketball baseball so the ability to see how well they they plant or or how much power they generate possibly with a with a certain foot position or or some little changes in the way they swing or throw i think could be could be pretty pretty valuable um, in hockey, how fast a line should change based upon their power output and the intensity of what they're doing. Uh, in basketball, same thing. How much how much stress are they really under running up and down the court? So 
some cool things, some some great opportunities with this. Um, and and their product also does a bit more because Johnny did not come from the the sports background. He came from a healthcare background and trying to use it for rehabilitation. So if you use this, you can actually, thanks to the accelerometers in, in the insole, it can actually tell you, you can do flexibility tests, range of motion tests. You can just stand there and it'll tell you how you tend to stand, which way you're, you know, maybe you favor one side. It does, when I first used the product, the first thing I noticed was it picked up right away the fact that I am very, very left leg dominant. When I and I know and I knew that it actually told me that a percentage as I was running, which was which was interesting. So I was pretty impressed that right away it picked that up. So with that, this is Johnny Ross of RPM Squared, the interview on the Technology and Sports Podcast. All right, welcome. Today we have. A guest on the show that I've worked a lot with in writing my books, uh, my book uh, Run With Power. Um, this is Johnny Ross. Johnny is the CEO and founder of RPM Squared. RPM Squared stands for Remote Performance Measurement and Monitoring. It's brand new technology specifically engineered to enhance an athlete's performance by providing data related to gait, range of motion, force, and power. So welcome, Johnny. Thanks for being on my show. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. So, obviously, I know a lot about running with power, but, I'll, you know, we want to introduce it to to this, uh, you know, to those outside of the running world and triathlon world who will potentially will listen to the show. So, or even those within those communities that don't know about it. So, let's let's kind of talk about what you, what is your product exactly when, when people say RPM squared. What, what is that product? Tell us what it is. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, Jim, RPM squared, it, you know, as you know, it's a footbed device uh, that is app driven, which affords the athlete the ability to make certain measurements, relative range of motion, force distribution, gait analysis, and even running and cycling power. You know, it was all predicated on medical device technology. Uh, you probably heard my story. You know, I my, my sport was baseball and I got into weightlifting after that. And just from repetitive use of the knee, uh, I had to have basically the equivalent of a knee replacement surgery. And having worked for Johnson & Johnson all these years in the healthcare space, I saw what I thought was a little bit of a disconnect between the patient and the provider, what was going on, which affected outcomes. And as a result, developed uh, you know this technology that is now actually uh, class one approved for the FDA. We hope to launch a similar device to RPM Square um, this fall. But, but as a, as an outcropping of, of that technology, we were asked so many times, can you, can you do this for sports performance? We thought, well, you know, I think we can. And so we, we, we went out and sought, you know, good counsel from people like you. You've had a part in this, Michael Johnson, um, you know, Dossie Bausch. There's been many people that have touched this and, and helped us understand what we need to do to try to build a great product for, um, endurance athletes. Okay. So what, when you, when you're talking about, this disconnect uh, that you saw between uh, the healthcare space and and I guess results. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I look at that as kind of a coaching thing. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road, where technology is kind of applied. Can you can you kind of just dive into that a little bit? Tell me what you kind of saw that kind of helped bring this about. You bet. You know, Jim, that's exactly the exactly what we saw. What happens in the healthcare space? 
And it's not just with physical therapy, but with all types of things. When, you know, the providers ask patients to do certain things, and if they don't do those, the outcomes just aren't going to be where they need to be. You know, and it's interesting in physical therapy, you know, you're, you're asked to do eight or 10 or 12 different exercises. But so often when the patient goes back to the physical therapist and the therapist says, hey, well, why don't you do this, this hip abduction? Let me see how that flexor, mo- that movement is working for you. And they have no idea what that exercise is because they have not done those at home. So we, we actually put that device together where it actually walks the patient through all the exercises. So transferring that over to sports, we see that, you know, seven out of 10 endurance athletes get hurt every year. And I think part of that is probably due to lack of coaching, perhaps, maybe not having the right connection to their coach, overuse, you know, mechanically, not not sound. And so we hope with RPM Square, it makes that link, you know, where the coach can can always be in communication with their athlete to help make adjustments to achieve higher performance and mitigate injuries. Okay. So, and this is all done through a footbed. Like a, all like done through a footbed. Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Awesome. So... So you you saw this and 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 some of the things that I mean one of the interesting things about your product is uh, the, you know as much as people are I'm introducing it to the world as a as a running power meter it's it's more than that uh, tell us tell us kind of what your your insoles can do for, do for athletes okay well you know as we as we took this from the healthcare side everything about RPM Square is predicated on the athlete achieving symmetry. So the first thing that we did was we had, you know, we, we put these algorithms in there and we had six different exercises all in the sagittal plane that looked at, you know, like knee extension, um, hip extension, hip flexion and such. And then we added, you know, one outside of that plane, which is hip abduction. But so an athlete can see in real time when they move that limb, exactly what the degree of movement is and then they can see the opposite leg and if there's a deficiency in one or the other they can not only continue to do these exercises to potentially uh, achieve symmetry but they can also um, do other exercises unilateral type exercises that might help with range of motion and strength in the deficient limb uh, included in this we we put in some different force exercises and one of them is as simple as just standing there because knowing how you stand normally has a, has a, you know, some meaning on what you do when you're actually moving. And so from there, we migrated to showing static measurements, uh, relative gait, uh, gait analysis or even cycling around the crank. And then we moved them to live measurements and then it made them inclusive of the power meters. So, you know, when, when an athlete's running, we'll stick to running with power. So if an athlete is running, we are sampling data at a very, very high frequency in hertz. As a result of that, we're very granular, and we can see exactly what's going on with the person relative to their, their foot strike, if they're heel, mid, or forefoot striking, if they are, what their ground contact time, flight time, or step time might be. We do this by taking a picture or a snapshot about 100 times per second. Okay. Well, I know that you said they can see range of motion and things like that. So, so you're actually showing showing all this within within one set of data collection. All of this to an athlete? Well, actually, no. Well, we have the the range of motion we have under the category of our exercise screen, right? We have it broken up into four. We have uh, range of motion or flexibility, force, cycling, and and running. And so, if you click on the exercise of flexibility it'll populate with the different range of motion exercises. 
You can do those exercises and it graphically represents, you see it in real time, first of all. Then you see a screenshot immediately after that. And you can see kind of a wedge that shows you which leg is doing mo more work uh, or has better range of motion. And then you can see like your maximum and minimum degrees. But then it goes into the history file automatically and it is there and it graphically represents it over time inclusive of a symmetry score that you can you, you can look at and try to achieve, you know, get as close to the 100 percent symmetrical as possible. And we do that with each of the categories. So then you have the force category and then under running, you know, you can do you can turn on the power meter and run. It shows your cadence. It shows your left and right leg power. So, you know, percent work on the left and right leg. And then in the background, it is doing your flight time, ground contact time and step time. So immediately post the run, for example, you'll have all these data points every second and you'll be able to click on any one of those data points and another screen pops up and it shows bilaterally those three measurements that I just talked about, step, flight and ground contact time. And you can continue to look at that data as the run progresses and see where the mechanics, you know, where you're tiring or where the mechanics might be breaking down and what you can do then as a result of that to get stronger and better. Kind of a benchmarking for future performance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. One of the things that I, when I used your product, Johnny, I was I was impressed right away. It, it noticed that I I have a huge leg discrepancy strength in my left leg and my right leg. And my right leg has no PCL in the knee. Mm -hmm. So and it was clear as day. Right. And the first thing kind of told me something which I kind of always knew, but it was interesting that it was able to quantify that for me for the first time. So. Uh, while running, so I hadn't I had never seen it that way. So that's oh, great. Glad to hear. Um, so so people are probably wondering, okay, how does this insole get this data? What is explain to the listeners kind of what what this product how it how it gets that info? Okay, sure. So so all the all the technology is actually resonant within the insole. Okay, so there there are different force sensors. There's different um, um, access chips in there, so we can measure the Z space. There's a microprocessor um, as well uh, to include a Bluetooth chip and, and AMP Plus, by the way. I, we can talk about that. We just, we just moved to AMP Plus as well. And um, there's actually a 220, uh, 220 milliamp battery and a wireless um, um, coil in there to, to charge you know, the battery wirelessly. There's no plug-in. You plug in the charger in the wall. You plop the insert on the charger. And it charges. So how it works, it's electric, okay, which is uh, unique. Uh, we're running 4.1 volts through the insole. And so the sensors, the way they work is as, as they are compressed, and, and these are all verified and validated under certified load cells. Uh, but when they are compressed, there is like a, for lack of better words, a conductive ink that is squished to the amount of force that's being applied. Um, per sensor, it goes through the, obviously to the microprocessor through our firmware where it's put into an algorithm along with the, the accelerometry data from the nine axis chip. Um, algorithm then, or the firmware then sends that data, uh, encrypted to the, the smart device, which is either Android or Apple. And from there, the algorithm does what it does to give you your power output your left-right output, force distribution, uh, as well as the gate analysis. Hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty all-encompassing there, <laughs> what it can do. So obviously, people have different foot sizes. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, how, how, do you, how does RPM squared account for that? 
So, Jim, yeah, thanks for asking that question. Interestingly enough, when we first started down this path, you know, we, we, we just thought that the shoe size is what's, what's going to be important. And, and, you know, in healthcare, really that's all we need because we actually cut the foot up into four quadrants. And like a provider, they want to know what's going on. Is a person pronating or supinating, standing on the balls or feet or behind the ankle? Well, it's not so when we're converting to power, you know, because we are we're converting electrical counts. That's what the what the measurement is with these sensors, counts to pounds, to newtons, to joules, to watts. And that's how it's done. And so the measurements have to be so much more precise. So what we were what we found over a lot of trial and error, because we could we were wondering why we we're not consistent. You know, if, if you know, five people wore, you know, the same uh, uh size shoe, for example, why would their power be that vastly different, you know? And so what we what we found out is the metatarsal measurement of that first metatarsal that's really, really important that influences power uh, relative RPM square. So we ask our customers to give the measurement from the heel to that first metatar metatarsal in centimeters because some people may have, you know, their center, their metatarsal may be more aft, you know, meaning they, they have a, a – uh, Smaller body of the foot, maybe longer toes or more forward where they have shorter toes. We also see where some people may have, you know, one measurement on one foot and one on the other. But when we're converting this, you know, to newtons to watts, it is so important that that metatarsal is, with, is within less than one centimeter of the corresponding uh, sensor. Otherwise, their power is going to be elevated because when we, we calibrate to the athlete, right? So in this process, one of the calibrations is the, the athlete would, would stand, and if they are standing, providing it's just at that point vertical pressure or force you know, on that sensor, and they are not hitting it right, the sensor is not going to have a correct reading, and therefore it's going to apply a coefficient that's too large. And then when the force starts to be applied in the running um, uh, mode, now the force is having that multiplier that's applying too much weight, if you will, and therefore the power is elevated. So now we know that we have a two, we have a two, a process where we don't understand that metatarsal measurement, but we have a two-step calibration. One where the person would stand and it applies the correct coefficient based on that metatarsal measurement. And then for forward momentum and to do distance, we then have a, a calibration of a distance run of either 100, 200, or 400 meters. And now the RPM square device is calibrated specifically to you, the athlete. Interesting. And then, obviously, you know, one of the things I kind of talk about in my book is that, uh, you know, power we measure in different planes, uh, horizontal, vertical, lateral. Your product is, is a two-dimensional where it, it takes in horizontal power and vertical power, correct? Yes, it does, with vertical being, you know, the, the power that's most important. Yes. Which meaning most of the power generated vertically. Yes, yes, in general, yeah. Because if you don't get the body off the ground, then you're not really running. <laughs> that's right. So kind of the key thing. So that's great. So now let's talk about this for athletes that, uh, you know, are interested possibly in for it with cycling. Uh, mm -hmm. Now with the A&T technology, AMP mm -hmm. Plus, so now it can work with pretty much any sort of watch or or head unit for cycling or for a runner, correct? Yeah. So what we're what we're, where we are right now is we you know with, through a Wahoo key you can link up directly you know to any watch or head unit. 
um, at this point in time, today, the phone still has to be present for the to be the transmitter. However, we're in the process right now. We're having more boards built in uh, Vietnam as we speak with the new Ant Plus chip on it. And so the next round of manufacturing that we are making, that we'll be making here in the next few weeks, will be completely Ant Plus compatible where you'll be able to connect your those inserts directly to that watch or to that head unit without the benefit of the phone being on your person. And we're real excited about that. We've had a lot of feedback and customers asking, can you do that and will you do that? And the answer is absolutely, and we look forward to bringing that to the market here in the very near future. Awesome, awesome. The, um, the actual uh, product itself, the, the, the insole, I, I, as I recall, one of the things that uh, you, were, you were looking to do initially when, I, when we were in discussion was to be able to have an athlete not even wear a watch or connect it to a phone. And mm-hmm. simply have the device. It has like its own internal memory to be able to to go. So athletes who maybe are in a race, or uh, you know, or or the watch dies, or something like that, they could still go out for their run or compete in the race, um, and yes. come back, and it would still ha- it would have the data still collected. And is that still the case? Absolutely, we can already do that. We call that our remote run or remote cycling feature. Whereas what, what it is, you just program what it is you're going to do, you know, like, a, you know, go out for a long distance run or, a, you know, a, you know, a good long bike ride and, um, you know, put the phone in the car, in your house, whatever. And it's going to automatically disconnect the phone uh, from the inserts. However, the firmware already knows what you're asking it to do. So you go run, you come back, you have nothing on your person at all when you come back. You and you open up the app. It's gonna it's gonna let you know that data is ready to be uplaid, uploaded, and you simply upload the data, and you will see your 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 metrics at that point in time. Wow. Yeah. Because I know, uh, I know in like a, a lot of high level sport, like let's say the Olympics and triathlon, that's that seems to be one of the things. Like athletes don't really want to don't have the time to connect or to, don't wear a watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly one of the things we've always kind of looked at is pacing ability to pace off the bike in terms of uh, running. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of a lot of use for that just in that alone. So or or I mean and I guess this kind of leads me to the to another question for you. I mean what we we're talking about this we've mostly been talking about it in somewhat of the medical areas, especially the running area, but also the cycling. But I mean mm-hmm. what what do you see this in terms like what's the future? with this type of uh, data collection that's available? I mean, wh- where do you see it going? And, and, or do you, are you already expanding out? What, what is it that, uh, the, what's the future look like for this type of tool? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think as we continue to move down the line, I mean, basically what's happened with us, Jim, you know, as I've told you before, we're a healthcare company. And, and I remember a few years back, I told you the story about Greg Capecchi and Dan Enfield over at Slow Twitch saying, hey, you know, can you build a power meter? And I was like, well, I don't even know what a power meter is. I mean, you know, so we, we had to learn as a company all this stuff and, 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 and it's been a great ride. And so where we are right now, you know, we're, we're real excited to really now really introduce, you know, what we believe is, you know, the, the world's first footbed, you know, running and cycling power meter. And, you know, we, we are also, uh, have the capability now that you can directly from the app, you can load everything up to training peaks or you can share it via email. 
And, and I think as we continue to go down the line, there will be other metrics that we come up with uh, or that our customers come up with, I might say, that we will try to implement. And, and I, I really don't even know what some of those even might be at this point in time. Uh, I do know that they've, you know, we've been asked to do um, different things, different range of motion exercises. Those are really simple to add those. I mean, those are, I would say, an overnight thing, but, but they can go very, very quickly. But, but there's been other, you know, people have asked us to look at outside of endurance, look at other, you know, types of power, like power in rowing, power on skates, power skiing. You know, some of this I believe we might be able to do, some we may not. Um, but it's, it's real exciting and it's fun working with the, you know, experts like yourself and, you know, having Michael Johnson and his coaches help us develop this and, and bring it forward. You know, like a few of the things that they want us to do that we hope to do in the very near future would be looking at how an athlete jumps, you know, because how, it's not how high or how far they jump, but it's how they jump that could all. Johnny, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. It's, uh, I, I, you kind of got cut off there on the, it's not how high they jump, but something. Yeah. yeah. So a few of the things that Michael, for example, a couple of features that Michael Johnson and his team want us to bring forward is looking at like, like jump. With, for example, you know, it's not how high you jump or how far you jump. You look at like, for example, football players, you know, they, they tape their ankles up to, to mitigate ankle injuries. Well, it, 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 it's not, it's good for them in that respect, but it could lead to a higher propensity for ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, understanding how the athlete jumps, how they land could help the coach understand the propensity and what they need to do to strengthen that muscle in the foot again. So that doesn't occur or like, like looking at, how an athlete comes out of the block, the first three to five steps until they get into full gait. You see how much power they're generating until they're in a, more of an upright uh, position for the run. And then even deceleration. So we, we're probably in the future will be breaking up the run, looking at sprints where you can look at those measures measurements as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like you can you can measure a lot. I know that I was having a recent discussion with a with a USOC employee and whose whose, design, whose job is to kind of look at these types of things, and uh, he'll be a guest on the sh- on my show here soon. Um, mm-hmm. And he, one of the things he was talking about was really the like the jumping, the jumping, and the jumpers, and how much load they're under, and, and mm-hmm. comparing that with gymnastics, and and how much jumping gymnasts do, and and things, and really looking to try to measure it. That's why he actually called me because he, he read my book run with power and he was because he had he didn't have a cycling background so he really had to learn about power mm-hmm. and he's already starting to think about wow how can i use this to measure load and intensity on our jumpers at, uh, at the u.s olympic training yeah. center and things so uh interesting yeah it, it, i think i think that's that's really the future when you when you can expand out because once you can really measure force and speed of force you know that that applies in every sport <laughs> i mean they're pretty, that pretty much is is one of the keys. So, mm-hmm. so I think uh, as you can do that, begin to measure intensity and load. You know, well, once you can measure intensity, you can measure load. Once you measure load, mm-hmm. you've got uh, everything that you pretty much need to to take the next step with uh, with m- like seeing what the metrics can actually tell you about the quality of your training, the the mm-hmm. stress level of the athlete, when recovery is needed, and things. So. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, I wrote in my book too that I think once you know, once we kind of start learning more about power and and using this data to really, really tweak and and uh, and assess our training approaches, mm-hmm. I think every world record is going to fall. Um, at, you know, in in all of track and field, uh, from the sprints and the jumps to the and even the throws uh, to the mm-hmm. marathon. So. It's uh, it's a heck of an exciting time. So, yeah, I um, suspect you're right. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, that's even. I even think that's possible in a drug-free world. So that's that's. <laughs> I'm hopeful. <laughs> so, well, this is great, Johnny. Um, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and telling us about about RPM squared. I I think it's you know it, it is a technological breakthrough. I I wrote about. Uh, you know, once we get power meters in, in shoes, that that's the type of things that were going to happen. And here you came along and did it. So that's that's exciting to see. And I think I wrote about that in 2011. So um, tell us tell us uh, anything going on with RPM squared right now that people should know about or any offers or, or what, you know, if they're listening to this and they want to find out more about your product, uh, where yeah. do they go? Sure. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you a couple of upgrades that we're that we're doing right now. Um, just so you know, we are, we're, we're now, we're doing some battery optimization. That's going to give you about a, oh, somewhere around 15 hours of, uh, of, of 100 hertz use, meaning you can go ride a bike or run for 15 hours and, and you're going to have, you know, enough battery life to do that. Um, so we're real excited about that. I told you already about the conversion to direct compatibility with AMP Plus. And, um, those are, you know, all that's being coded as we speak. We should be done with that in the next, uh, I don't know, I'd say three weeks and, uh, with the next manufacturing run that will be available. And so we, we plan to really move into a more dynamic marketing campaign, uh, the middle towards the end of August. Um, you know, the re- the retail price of RPM square is only $4.99 to begin with. But, uh, Jim, you know, based on all the, the support you've given me over the past few years, um, I'd love to do something for your customers on this podcast. If they will, um, if they enter a code Jim Vance, all in caps, I'll give them uh, fifty dollars off. We'll knock it down to four forty nine just for your customers, and we're still giving away a free uh, autographed book of yours to boot. Oh, there you go, there you go. All, all that they need. So that's perfect, perfect. You bet. Well, uh, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, the uh, I'm sure the listeners will enjoy that. Um, Man, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing these the new improvements too when they come out and uh, trying it out. So thanks again for being on the show and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing RPM squared out out in, in shoes a lot more. Well, thank you. We hope so, and I appreciate your support. And thanks for having me. All right, I want to thank Johnny Ross and RPM Squared for his visit on our show. Also, just a reminder that he did give out that uh, coupon code if you're interested in trying their product. And he does have autographed copies, hard copies of my book that he sends with those. So check them out. Uh, I know that he just got back uh, or had some of his staff just get back from the SMU lab. Uh, that Southern Methodist University uh, really testing the product and finalizing uh, some things and proving proving its 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 value and and accuracy. So exciting times for them. Uh, stay tuned for the show next week. As I said, I'll be in Kona, so hope to interview maybe 
one or two people out there and potentially uh, some companies and things like that. But uh, you can definitely pay attention to this uh, show in the upcoming weeks. Uh, if you have any guests that you would suggest I, I bring on the show, please feel free to contact me. You can just go to technologyandsports.com, go to the Contact Us, and I will get that email. So thank you, and have a great day.